All right. Well, good morning once again. Hello to everybody who is watching online. If you do have your Bibles, please go ahead and grab them and you can turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. I'm personally very excited about this passage of scripture that we're going to study because it has some of the most beautiful words about Jesus that have ever been written. Uh, a few years ago, probably eight or nine years ago, uh, my friends and I, we were all kind of starting in ministry together, and we were all kind of celebrating these like landmark moments together. Um, we would be like, man, I'm going to, I got asked to teach my first message, or I get to lead this small group, and it was kind of this really exciting time. And one of my best friends, who uh, he, he was about to prepare to teach his very first sermon, his very first teaching. And he went to a college football game and he met there a, a pretty famous pastor that we really looked up to. And so he walks up to him and he starts talking and he asks his advice. He's like, hey, I'm about to teach my very first sermon. What is your advice for me? And I'm like living vicariously through him. Of course, I am... Uh, repenting of the sin of jealousy that he met him and not me. Why, Lord? But uh, I was asking him, man, what did he say? And I was thinking, you know, this is a guy that I look up to that I really respect a lot. Like, like what wisdom is he going to pour into me? And what wisdom did he give? And, and the guy looks at my friend and he says, just tell him about Jesus. <laughs> and as I was, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. And as I was studying uh, this weekend or this week, I couldn't help but Think about that advice because today we really are going to look at this passage that is all about the majesty and the beauty of Jesus. There is an old hymn that is such a beautiful way to set the stage for today, and it's on the screen, the lyrics. It says this, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Now, Jesus, he is worthy, and we're going to learn why he is worthy today. But maybe you're here, and you're new, or you're just getting started in the faith, and you're kind of asking the question, like, what makes Jesus so important? Why is he so amazing? And today, we're going to talk all about that. But I do want to say that uh, just to start with, one of the things that you're going to discover about Jesus is that when people meet Jesus, their lives are changed. Is that true? Amen. Okay, people are like, ah, oh, maybe. No, uh, people meet Jesus, their lives are changed. And I believe all over this room, there are people who have had their lives changed by Jesus, yes? Okay, so here's what I'm gonna tell you, that, that all over our church, God is changing people's lives. And one of the things we wanna do every once in a while is introduce you to a story of how God is changing someone's life. And so I would like to ask you just to direct your attention to the screens and please check out this amazing video. My name is Aridney, I'm 27, and I rededicated my life to Christ when I was 23. I was born in Nicaragua to a single mom, and we moved to the States when I was three years old. When I was growing up, it was really just her and I. When I was five years old, my mom started dating a guy who took us to church, um, and for the first time, my mom was happy, and I was happy, and I was attending Sunday school. I suddenly was faced with the realization at 12 that man who had taken me to church was also sexually abusing me. That turned into me being 13 and diagnosed with depression and anxiety and prescribed pills that I couldn't even pronounce. And it really shook my, my faith, but it also hindered my foundation with the Lord. For me, that looked like being 
21 and having a DUI and dropping out of college and holding on to relationships like my life depended on it. As I was trying to cope with all the trauma and the turbulation in my life, I went to a counselor. It turns out that counselor happened to be a Christian. I didn't know that, but the Lord knew. Um, she was the one who showed me how she fights her battles with prayer and the importance of prayer and why she believed in the Lord. I started to pray for a couple weeks of um, what church I should go to, if there'd be a person who would invite me, what it would look like for the doors to open truly. What it looked like for me was an answered prayer, of course, and it was a coworker who turned into a great friend who invited me one day to Calvary um, on a Wednesday night service. And I remember that night just being so special to me because we actually got to read the word together. We read the word and then broke it down and it felt like for the first time, I was actually not just told what to believe or told what it meant, but I was really understanding what the word was in its actual context. And I felt the spirit really moving that night. That uh, Wednesday night turned into an invitation on Thursday night to the Harbor, which is the young adult ministry here at Calvary. It was a space for young adults who want to learn more about Jesus and grow deeper in their walk. And I saw worship and I saw prayer and I saw community like I've never seen it before. I was quickly poured into by mentors and pastors and friends who were all on mission for Jesus, who had similar tribulations and some that were totally opposite of me. But the one thing in common we had was Jesus. And that's what led those friendships to bloom. It turned into a true friendship of holding each other accountable and laughing with each other and pouring to others. I've been able to see that community is a good gift from God. And I've been able to learn and live what His will is for us. And I try to live in that by staying accountable with my community and growing with my community. Amen. Man, so we always want to celebrate when lives are being changed by Jesus. I want to tell you that if, if you're here and you're a part of our church, if you're serving, if you're investing your resources and giving, then you are also a part of, of so many stories like that of God changing lives. So thank you. But really today is all about giving glory to Jesus. And so as we start today, I just want to share an outline for where we're going. Uh, first off, we're going to look at what he's done, what Jesus has done. Then we're going to look at what we have. And then we're going to look at what we do and how we do it. Sound good? Okay, so let's dive in. Hopefully you're in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. And uh, if, if you haven't turned there, uh, hustle that direction. Philippians 2, 1, and it says this. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, any common sharing in the spirit, any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded and having the same love, being in one spirit and of one mind. Now, just as a reminder, the Apostle Paul is writing this letter that we have preserved here, and he's writing it uh, to a church in Philippi in modern-day Greece, and he's writing it to a church that he knows, that he loves, and, and that he really believes in. And this is a, a letter of encouragement that he's writing. And we learned last week, as Pastor Dave shared, uh, a message called Purpose in the Pain, that Paul is writing from prison, so he is suffering, and he's also writing to a church in Philippi that is undergoing a certain amount of suffering, and so he's writing this encouraging letter to them. Now, I'm going to move quickly through the first five verses, and we're going to come back to them at the end. Look with me at verse three. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility 
value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Now, notice here that at the very beginning, Paul talks about the fact that we are united with Christ. Then, uh, as we kind of end this little section, Paul is talking about the fact that we have the mind of Christ. And so, Paul issues a challenge to the Philippian church. We're going to come back to that challenge in a moment. But he really says the reason that you can do this challenge, the motivation for the challenge, is that you know Jesus. And then he's going to go in over the next few verses into this incredible uh, poem about Jesus and who Jesus is. And so look with me at verse 6. He says, Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Verse 8, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Uh, but before we think about these, these words, I just want to pray quickly one more time for, for this moment together. God, I pray that today we would truly see Jesus more. Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak to our hearts and show us who Jesus is in a way that is fresh and that helps us to move forward. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So what I want to do is over the next couple minutes talk about what he's done, what Jesus has done, and I really want to go line by line through this, this, this moment that Paul writes. And so the first thing we're going to look at is in verse 6. It says that Jesus, who being in very nature God. So what the first thing that we see is, is that Jesus is not just uh, kind of an impressive human being. He's not just a good teacher or someone who did some miracles. Uh, he's not just a, a spiritual person or a spiritual figure. Paul says Jesus is in very nature God. He is God. Um, we, we as Christians believe in what's called the Trinity, which is one God and three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So uh, we don't believe in three gods. Uh, we don't believe in one God who kind of shapes, shifts, and kind of uh, changes whenever he feels like. It's, it's one God, and it's three persons. And by the way, um, if you feel like you have a, 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 like a true understanding of that and can really explain it well, then feel free to, to, to hop on the microphone, because it's, it's something that is a divine mystery. All of us have a little bit of trouble wrapping our heads around it, and we must receive it by faith. But what we see here is that Jesus, he came to earth, and, and he, is, he is God. He's God the Son. And, and so the, the, the first thing that we have to understand is, is that Jesus is not just a spiritual figure. He's God. And, and we love everyone. Uh, we pray for everyone. But there are some, some cults that have false beliefs about this. Uh, the, the Jehovah's Witnesses, they believe uh, that Jesus emanated from God, that he did come from God. Uh, but we, they do not believe that he is God. Uh, Mormons believe that he has um, divine power, but, but we do not believe that he is, in fact, 
or the, 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 the Mormons do not believe that he is in fact God. And, and, and Paul is saying here, Jesus is God. Here's what the writer of Hebrews says in, in Hebrews chapter one. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. If you want to know what God looks like, simply look at Jesus and learn about Jesus because he is God. And the writer of Hebrews goes on to say, Jesus is greater than the prophets and he's greater than the angels. In other words, the prophets were Old Testament writers. And the Old Testament, the New Testament, incredibly valuable. It is, it is a miracle and an amazing word of God. But the word of God points to the son of God, Jesus. And what we also see is that Jesus is greater than the angels. He is, there are supernatural beings in the world. And there are, are, are good supernatural beings, angels, that are servants of God. And there are evil supernatural beings, demons and Satan, that, that are enemies of God. But Jesus is greater than all of them because he is God. All right, let's look. Yeah, amen, amen. Continuing in verse 6, it says this, Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. So Jesus is equal with God. He is God. But he didn't hold that status as something that he could benefit from. I, I think a lot of us, we are very drawn to like rags to riches stories. A lot of the movies that we see, it's someone who started with nothing and they made themselves something amazing. Even in uh, sports movies or sports interviews, there's this common theme where it's like, man, nobody believed in me. I started from the bottom, and now I made it to the top. I, I accomplished everything. And what we see is that Jesus is actually the complete opposite of that. That Jesus had all of the glory, all of the beauty, and all of the majesty. But he chose not to grab a hold of that or maximize that, but he emptied himself of it. And look at verse 7. He said, it says this, rather... He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Now, I don't know if this is true or not. Paul maybe is like kind of giving us a little diss as humans. He's like, he made himself nothing. He made himself like us, <laughs> right? But, but what we see here is that Jesus, he humbles himself. He lowers himself to the position of a servant. So, so Christians, we believe in the Trinity, one God, three persons, but we also believe that Jesus is fully God and he is fully man. So Jesus did not stop becoming God when he became a human. He was still God, but Jesus did empty himself of his divine power and he became a full human being. And we're going to talk about why this is significant over the next couple of minutes, but here's one reason this is significant. We read in, in Hebrews that part of the reason that Jesus became a human being was so that we could have a relationship with God that we could not have otherwise. Because here's the reality. When we think about God, often we think about his power and his glory and his holiness. And we should think about that. The song we just sang, filled with wonder, awestruck wonder, flashes of lightning, rolls of thunder. This is a God that is powerful, that it should be feared, that should be revered. And that is actually true. We don't want to take that away because we should have a fear and we should have a reverence for who God is. But we also see through Jesus 
that that powerful God drew near to us. It says in Hebrews chapter 4, these beautiful words. It says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended to heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest, that's Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. In other words, Jesus is able to understand our weakness. He's able to understand our doubts and our fears and our temptations. Because of this, we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet he did not sin. Let us then approach the God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So what are you walking through this week? What struggles do you have? What fear, what temptations, what burdens are you carrying? Jesus doesn't just kind of theoretically know. He has actually walked in our shoes before. Have you ever had a conversation with someone that was going through something that you had never gone through before? You are able at that time to have sympathy. You are able to feel bad for them. You are able to draw near to them, but you cannot feel exactly what they felt because you have not been there. But, but if you are ministering to someone and you've actually been through what they've been through, you're able to connect with them on that level. And in the same way, Jesus, it says, he has been through what we've been through. So we are able to connect with him, but here's the difference. He has been ultimately victorious in everything that we've been through. He was tempted in every way and yet without sin. So we're able to look at him as an example, and we are able to look at him as a friend who is going to walk with us in our struggles and in our weakness. Now, Paul is talking here in this scripture about him being a servant, and he's going to double down and talk even more about what a servant Jesus has been. Look at verse 8. It says, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So we remember that Jesus became fully human. Why? Well, first off, so that we could relate to God. But we see now that there was another purpose for Jesus becoming fully human. That Jesus was glorious and exalted. That he was in the highest possible place. But he humbled himself not just to become a human, but to go to the cross, the worst of all possible deaths. And this moment where Jesus became a human and he went to the cross, it's, it's really beautifully articulated in, in one of the most famous passages of scripture, Isaiah 53. It says this in Isaiah 53, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He, that's Jesus, grew up before God like a tender shoot, like a root out of the dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Now, this is fascinating. What we see here is not only did Jesus become a human being, but he didn't become a particularly powerful human being in, in the way that we look at earthly power. He didn't become a particularly impressive physical human being, that he was a common person, perhaps someone that you would have just brushed by. This is what we see as well, that he was despised and rejected by mankind. 
a man of, of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. This line is, is referring to the brutality of Jesus going to the cross. That he was tortured and he was beaten and he hung on that cross. And at that moment, people had to turn their face away because of the horror of what was happening. So you, maybe you ask, why did he have to go to the cross? Well, here's what it says as Isaiah continues to write. It says this as the scripture continues. Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him to be punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Our greatest need is peace with God. But, but we don't have peace with God on our own. Because our sin and our rebellion against God separates us from God, and there is nothing that we can do about it on our own. This is why Jesus had to become fully God and fully man. As fully God, he had the power to do something about our sin, but as fully man, he actually came as a human. He lived a perfect life for us so that he could be a perfect sacrifice for us and when he was that perfect sacrifice, when we believe in him, now we have peace with God. We have forgiveness for our sins. We have the opportunity to have a relationship with God. This is the beauty of Jesus. Let's keep going. Look at verse 9. Keep in mind that Paul has been talking all about Christ's humility, that he lowered himself to a point we could not imagine. But here's the incredible thing. He didn't stay low like that. It says in verse 9, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So now Jesus has the name that's above every name, every political name, Every entertainment name, every spiritual name, there is no name like the name of Jesus. There never has been and there never will be. And notice here we see this spiritual principle at play. Christ humbled himself and he was exalted. Here's a theme throughout the Bible. That God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so if you want to put yourself in a position where God is against you, all you have to do is be proud. Because God will stand against pride. But if you humble yourself, if you surrender yourself to him and submit yourself to him, then grace will come to you. Help will come to you. Mercy will come to you because God gives grace to the humble. Now, we, we've been studying and we've been looking at what he's done. What has Jesus done? And I want you to write this down. This is kind of the, the big idea for today. What has he done? Well, the, the Bible is about the name that's above every name. The Bible is about Jesus and all that Jesus has done. And, and as you read your Bible, you're going to find a lot of names in the Bible. You're going to find characters. You're going to find stories. And those stories are there to help us. They're there to encourage us. They're there to warn us. There are all these uh, amazing things about uh, the, the Bible and about the names in the Bible. 
But, but there is one name that the Bible is truly about, and it is about the name of Jesus. All the other characters, all the other stories point to that one name. And we got to be careful sometimes. Because I think sometimes when we read the Bible, we can start to think that the Bible is about us. Um, we can start to think that the Bible is just about kind of helping us with some stuff. And, and the Bible will help us, but the Bible is not about us. You, you know, I think we can get it confused sometimes. Some of us, uh, when we bought our Bibles, uh, we wrote our names in the Bible. And I'm not here to condemn that at all. I think that's a great idea. Here's a little church tip for you. When you get your Bible, write your name and write your phone number. So if you ever leave your Bible at church, we can call you and say, hey, we have your Bible. Okay? <laughs> it's not bad to write your name in the Bible. Some of us, we even got a Bible and we got like our name engraved in gold in the Bible. And that could be special because that could be, man, my Bible's personal. I love this Bible. Or maybe we give a Bible to someone and we want them to treat it as a special possession so we have their name engraved in it. That's okay. I'm not against that at all. But don't forget that the Bible is not about your name. The Bible is about the one name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So that is what he's done for us. But, but now I want us to take a moment and I want us to look at what we have because what he's done. So we've already discovered what he's done. He's humbled himself. He's died on the cross for our sins. That means we can have a relationship with God. But, but I want you to look really quick at this last, at verse 10. It says, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. You know, there is a, a sober warning that comes with those words. Because if you're here and you're a Christian, what that means is your knee has already bowed to Jesus. You have already said, Jesus, you are my king and you are my Lord. But there are those, maybe some even in this room that have said, ah, Jesus is not my king. I would not bow to Jesus. The, the truth of the word is every knee will bow to Jesus. And at the end of time, when Jesus comes back, every knee will bow, but there are going to be two camps. There are going to be those who have said, Jesus, I have already surrendered to you. I will live my life for you. You are my king and you are my Lord. And for those, we will inherit eternal life and be with Jesus forever. But... For those who have refused to bow their knee to Jesus, we must receive the warning that people will bow their knee, but there will also, Jesus will say, depart from me, I never knew you. And so my prayer and my imploring to you today is, man, surrender to Jesus. Make him your king, make him your Lord today. But Paul continues to talk about the, the kindness of Christ and the love of Christ in, in verse 1. So look back with me, jump back to the beginning of the passage. Remember I said we come back and it says in verse one, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort in his love, any common sharing in the spirit, any tenderness and compassion. What Paul is saying here is you didn't just get salvation when you came to Jesus. God has so many more incredible blessings for you. And I have a little illustration here that I hope will maybe show us a little bit about what this means. I have here, and I've brought with me, some, some Jenga blocks. Anyone know the game Jenga? Yeah, amazing. Now, I have a confession to make. Um, I went to the store yesterday to purchase these Jenga blocks, and Jenga was $17.99, and there was an off-brand 
that was $7.99. So these are actually not Jenga blocks. These are tumbling tower blocks, okay? But, you know, Jenga is all about moving from the bottom and getting to the top. And it's all about trying to do that without kind of tumbling and making everything mess up. And, and so I think a lot of times this is really what we as humans do. We do our very best to try to kind of like look at our situation, kind of evaluate where we're at, and we try as hard as we can to get to a place where we can take what we have and we can move to the top. Now, by the way, I do think that it's that the reason you pay this extra 10 bucks is for the extra pass with the sandpaper because it is harder to move these than Jenga blocks. That's my Yelp review for you. But I also have here a, a, a game that our youth group plays. It's, it's Mega Block Jenga. And so these blocks are, are the serious business, okay? If you really want to have a party and have a good time in Jesus' name Christian style, Get some Jenga blocks, okay? Some mega Jenga blocks. But I, I love these because once you start stacking the mega Jenga blocks, the tumbling tower blocks look pretty unimpressive. <laughs> and, and I think this is a really helpful picture for us because so often uh, we are kind of in our own little spheres trying to figure out how can I take what I have and kind of maximize it and get it as high as I possibly can. But Passages like today help us think that Jesus is so much more glorious, so much more powerful, so much more majestic, that like it's in a completely different stratosphere than we have. Yeah? And, and I really wish, I actually do kind of wish that I had the time and the Jenga blocks to build this tower all the way to the roof, because I think that would more accurately depict this is how powerful and how amazing Jesus actually is as compared to us. But we're running out of time, and so this will have to suffice. Now, why do I take the time to share this illustration? Well, remember that what we talked about is as humans, we're kind of playing in this area. We're like, man, how could I like move up, and how could I do this, and how could I do that? But what we learned today is that Jesus, he, he was here. He was at the highest point but he lowered himself to the lowest point, but then God highly exalted him and he made him the name above every name. But I want you to see something else. Look with me, if you will, at Ephesians chapter two on the screen. It says that when we are saved, that God raised us up and seated us with Christ in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed to us in kindness in Christ Jesus. So, so here's what we see here. Notice this, that so often we're so focused on our situation and our circumstances, but, but what Paul is trying to get us to see is Christ went down, he was raised up, and now when we're saved, we are actually raised up and we are seated with Christ in the heavenly realm. And maybe you're asking or maybe you're wondering, like, why, why don't I feel that? Well, I think sometimes we don't feel it because we're so focused on this little stuff. But Paul, he writes this and he says, if there's any encouragement that you have in Christ, if there's any comfort from knowing his love, if there's any 
common sharing in the spirit, any tenderness and compassion. May we have the eyes to see all that we have with Christ. And so that's what we have. So what do we do about it? Well, Paul continues, look at verse two. He says, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, valuing others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And how we do that, Paul writes in verse 5, I love the scripture on the screen, it says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So here's what I love, for Christians... God has actually given you possession of the mind of Christ. You have the ability to be able to see your relationships the way Christ sees them. Now, it's it's difficult for us because there's some other stuff going on in our brain as well. We have our own fleshly sinful desires. I have what I want. And I can look at my relationships based on what I want and what I can gain. We also know that we have an enemy. We have demons that are trying to tempt us and trying to draw us away. And so there are going to be sinful evil thoughts that that we have to cast away, but we also have to understand that God has given us the mind of Christ. And so this is really what we're trying to do. We're trying to see people the way that Jesus sees them because of what Jesus has done for us. This this week, um, usually about every two weeks, um, all of our pastors from all of our campuses meet together uh, just for a time where Pastor Dave uh, pours into and invests into us, and it's always a very special time. But this week, we had a true privilege because uh, and it, it's a true privilege when Pastor Dave pours into us as well. I should say that. <laughs> but we had an amazing opportunity uh, to have uh, Pastor Scott Wilson from First Baptist Melbourne come and share with us. And it was so cool because uh, we're just a few miles down the road. Uh, they're meeting right now, having service right now as well. And uh, it's two churches that are united and just uh, loving uh, the Lord and preaching the gospel and telling people about Jesus. But Pastor Scott really encouraged us to abide in Christ, to to hold on to Jesus. And it reminded me of John 15, and we're going to just look at this on the screen as we close. Jesus, he's talking about uh, how we can flourish as followers of Jesus, and he says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So so what has Jesus done? Well, he's humbled himself. He's died on the cross. He was raised. And he is the name above every other name. What do we have? Well, we have connection with Christ. We have encouragement from Christ. We have comfort from Christ. We've been raised up because of Christ. So what do we do? Well, well, this is our prayer for this week, and this is our practical challenge for this week. Prayer is this. God, help me to have the mind of Christ in my relationships this week. God, I know that there's going to be some people this week that I'm going to have a chance to, to love. There's going to be family. There's going to be friends. There's going to be coworkers. Help me to see them the way that you see them. Help me to treat them the way that you treat them. I'm going to have an opportunity to show encouragement, to speak truth, to humble myself, to to ask for forgiveness, to encourage, to build up, to do all of these things. I want to do it the way that Jesus would do it. 
But, but it's not going to happen just because we try to kind of gear up and do this strong man thing on our own. It's going to happen because we remember what Jesus has done. And so we're going to close by just remembering how we started. The beautiful words of, of the hymn. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Would you guys pray with me? God, we are praying and we are asking you the same thing we started with. We want to be able to see you better. We want to be able to follow you with more clarity because of what you have done for us. So I pray even now as I'm praying and as we continue our service that you would just be speaking to our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit, moving in our lives. And now as every head continues to be bowed, every eye continues to be closed, I do want to speak to those here that maybe have not yet begun a relationship with God or that you have walked away from God and Today is the day when you want to come back to God. And we've heard the story of Jesus, and really, you've heard everything that you need to hear, I believe. God loves you. He wants to have a relationship with you. And he sent Jesus to do what we could never do, to die on the cross, to rise again, so that we could have new life, so that we could be raised up and seated with Christ in the heavenly places. And it, it seems sometimes like a foolish message, a mysterious message, but it truly is the wisdom of God and the power of God. And so I want to ask if there are those here who want to, for the very first time, begin a relationship with Jesus or want to come back to Christ. I want to ask you at this time, every head is bowed, every eye is closed, would you raise your hands in the air right now? Is there anyone who would say, yeah, that's me? I want to start a relationship with Jesus today. Awesome. Praise God. Amazing. Is there anybody else in the balcony? On the floor? For those of you guys who raised your hands, or even if you didn't and you wanted to, would you just pray this prayer in your heart? Just say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising again. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. I want to turn to you. I want to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We have a few moments left, and so what I wanted to do with this time is we, we've, we've listened and we've, we've opened our hearts to hear God's word about what Jesus has done. And now I want us to respond by singing and worshiping him. So I would ask everybody just to stand to your feet. And I, I, would, I would just pray that this would be a special time, a, a holy moment. As we as a church, we look at Jesus, we marvel at Jesus, and we praise his name. We've ended the teaching a little early so we could have some time to, to have this space. So let's just seek him and let's praise him together. Let's sing. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look for his wonder.
Amen. God, we love you and we give you all the praise this morning. And we thank you for what you've done. We celebrate it. Amen. Hey, as we close, I have a couple of things for you. So just hang tight for one moment. Uh, First off, I want to let you know um, that we are going to have a prayer team down front. So uh, if you're here and you have any prayer needs at all, uh, we would love to pray for you. Uh, Physical, spiritual, emotional needs. And especially if you raised your hand or want to begin a relationship with Jesus, please come down. Uh, Someone would love to pray with you. As you leave, uh, in the back we have our boxes. If you want to bring your tithes and invest into what God is doing here at Calvary Chapel, you can also give online. And if you are new, uh, we're so excited for all that God is doing and want to tell you about it, want you to be a part of it. And so if you are new, um, out in the commons there is a connect circle. And we would love to to send you out there uh, so that you could meet some people and just uh, hear more about what God's doing at the church and how you can get connected. Ladies, don't forget as well that out there uh, our team is going to be there to tell you all about uh, the women's barbecue. One more thing before we close. You guys know, uh, and you have given generously to this already, that we are uh, doing a playground renovation. And uh, we are going to be doing, uh, installing a shade structure, and we're doing uh, AstroTurf to make it a great place for our school, as well as for our church family. And I uh, want to let you know that uh, prayerfully, we are going to start some major construction things on that this week. We're pouring concrete. We're actually installing the shade structure. Come on, we can give God praise for that. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. So please pray uh, for no, go- no rain and for good weather. And listen, it can rain everywhere in every zip code. We just don't want it to rain at our playground. That's kind of the prayer, okay? And so let's be praying for that this week. With that, we love you so much. Hope you have a great rest of your week. God bless you, and we'll see you next time.